What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to the Self-Disruption Podcast, where we give you the tools and insights to improve your lifelong learning, leadership, and innovation with the top minds in their fields today. Brought to you by SEAC, a global leader in lifelong learning and innovation. Check them out at seasiacenter.com. I've got all their details down in the show notes. I'm your host, Dana Blue, and in this episode, I sit down with friend of the show, William Malik. He's an expert in design thinking and business innovation. Today, William and I talk about design sprints. What exactly are they? We flush out how they're different than design thinking, the power that constraints bring to the design sprint, and how companies are using sprints to achieve success in a whole lot of areas. So sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. William, and thank you for coming by again, talking to me. Today, we're talking about design sprints. It's a hot topic. You, you search design sprints on Google, and what comes up is a thousand medium posts, a thousand blog posts, vlogs. Everyone's talking about design sprints. Now, I've done it before, but you know, explain for the audience what they are because you are an expert in this field. So, in about 2016, was not too long ago, a couple of years, uh, Jake Knapp wrote a book on entitled Design Sprint. Yeah. And so he's at Google. And he sees and is exposed to design thinking. And his reflection and part of his uh, uh, synthesis of all this was it takes too long, design mm-hmm. thinking. And I could see why, because sometimes long, elongated projects, things happen, teams you know, are trying to stay together, especially in a corporate environment. Mm. And so he decides that, hey, let's adopt something here and try to get this all, see if we can do it in a week. So this notion of the design sprint emerged out of a design thinking process. Okay. How can we get stuff done in far less time? That's really the, 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 the beginning premise of the sprint element of the, the whole concept. So it's, it's derived from design thinking, but it's not actually part of design thinking as it exists today. Uh, so it's using some design thinking tools. Okay. Uh, and it's created its own set of language and tools as well. Mm. Now, let's be clear. Design thinking in of itself has 41 different derivatives today. Oh. Uh, this has been That's researched. And, and, and so people even taken design thinking and created 41 variants of it. Mm. Design sprint will be no different. In fact, there are people now saying, no, you shouldn't do five days. We should be doing four days, and here's how we can do that. And there's a different set of tools, a little different set of practices. But at the end of the day, the goal is still the same, hmm. to quickly get a validated, tested, tangible concept. Yeah. And that's really what you're trying to do based on some design challenge or opportunity in, in, in the work or the product or the area that you work. You're trying to make a significant jump with a, a short period of time and kind of a really condensed version of work. Now, I, I've done this before at one of my previous companies as well. We took about seven days. We kind of loaded on one the front day, and the last day, the seventh day, was actually like a, like a, a decompressing day after we finished it all. But we, we did pack it in five days, and we actually followed uh, Jake Knapp's book, which I, I thought was a really good book, um, but I, I understand like the five day structure is kind of already there, but now you're saying people like, oh, it should be four days, three days, but you don't hear too many people talking about it, it should be 30 days. No, the, the whole idea is that you can, 
if you structure things right, now mm -hmm. there's a lot of ifs and there's a lot of assumptions that go around being able to pull this off mm -hmm. in a week. So first of all, huge prep work. Oh, yeah. Huge prep work. you got to have some moderator that or coordinator that's uh, getting the team together that has to be in the room, mm -hmm. specifically the full team on kind of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, mm. and to be able to make sure that you are uh, uh, identifying potential customers that you actually literally bring in mm -hmm. to test your concept at the very end, right? So that takes work up front. This mm. is not just so show up for four days and somebody does something. So this takes quite a bit of forethought and preparation. That, that's really where most of the success factor is, at least half of it, mm. is the prep work on what you're doing. And then when you hit m the, the ground Monday morning, mm. <coughs> it changes. Full steam ahead. It's full steam ahead and different set of success factors to get through the week. Mm. Now, you know, having done it in, at least <coughs> I did the five days and we added a day on either end, sort of like for prep, but also like, preload and then the decompression now that was easy because jake nav actually laid out that framework in his book it's a lot for five days like you said you have to you have to really work at it because there's a ton there i could see how you could fit it in four days you start to get anything less than that i mean i, I would think you'd be overwhelmed mm -hmm. it, it's just so much yeah and it, it just really depends on how effective the moderator is or the facilitator mm -hmm. and this is pretty critical in order to get that work done in that short amount of time you have to have time-bound exercises mm. and they need to be run literally to the minute the second yeah. Uh, yeah and you have to know how much time to allow for the exercise but when you have a small team this is not this is geared for kind of four to six people mm. you know max uh, so you don't have a large group to deal with so you do have to understand, though, that the, the, the speed is critical. And it is part of the magic mm -hmm. is that constraint is pressuring, you know, the pipe, if you would, to get more creative faster. Mm. And it's just challenging people to be thinking on their feet, et cetera. So there's, an, there's a lot to do mm -hmm. in that facilitator role because time is of the essence. And you really are sticking to a coordinated schedule to get through every single exercise, every single tool. And, and part of that is, the, part of the magic is that people vote. They don't sit around and debate and mm -hmm. talk and pontificate on why they have the certain idea. So Put you, your dot up on the wall and you yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of creative process. It's very similar to design thinking in this process, going back to the or origination of the whole thing around visual thinking, visual display thinking, yeah. put it up on the wall. You get your idea, your storyboard up, your issue, your comment, whatever. The team looks at it with the notion that the team's brain power can process the information much faster than trying to talk it all out one by one. Mm. And then essentially you vote. And that vote stands. You move and you go through the process. It's and, done. It's done. Yeah. And the idea is, look, if you make a mistake, you might. You may have to iterate again. This is the beauty of experimentation. Mm. But the power is in the notion that the team understanding the rules of engagement allows the team to move forward quickly mm. and feels a high sense of accomplishment in a short period of time. With that, I want, I want to talk about those constraints, that time that you talked about, because that, that seems to be a big factor in design sprints and why I think a lot of people see them as successful. Like you said, you vote, you move on. You, your moderator's following it to the second. And those constraints, being able to stick to that, sort of forces creativity to come out because you know you can't go back. There's no redo on the sprint, you know, not while you're in it. You have to go back and do it all over again, right? So 
how important do you see those constraints being when people implement this? So I think it's it's a huge part of it. it mm-hmm. It's not the only the only part that creates that tension, if you would, the creative tension for uh, generating novel mm-hmm. ideas and issues that come up. But if you think about it, it's like when the endorphins are moving, mm-hmm. your brain gets activated, the team is engaged, it's a team sport. You are in the moment when you're doing the sprint. I mean, there's no – it's almost like time's not even passing. It's just like, boom, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so – you know, it's kind of that notion that you, when you really love what you're doing, there, there's no sense of time. But yeah. because there is not a lot of time, uh, I think the cueing by the moderator in the process gets the team's brain, the operating system, engaged. Like, you will produce. We it's will perform. Yeah. And so the brain goes, okay, I'll, I'll do that, you know. Yeah. And it, it kind of ha- it, it, it responds, right, to yeah. the stimulus that it's given. And since it's in a team-based thing, you don't want to, you know, look like the, the odd person out. So you you come up. And the notion is that even uh, 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 an idea that may not be well thought out might be used by somebody else where it can get worked out. Yeah. So it's not like you got to have a right answer. And this it gets rid of I've got to be right. Mm. It's simply in the moment, especially in the front end of the process when you're trying to map out, you know, the concepts that you're mm. dealing with. Now, like I said, I, I've used this. I thought the book was a, a great lead into it. And like, for me, it, it worked really well. And I was using it with my company. We were actually designing one of our apps going forward. The book is all tech. They, they, they're talking about a robot, uh, concierge robot in there, some other, some other things. And when you read about it on, on Medium or wherever you end up going to, to find information about it, 99% of it is tech, product-based, design thinking, or not design thinking, design sprint, you know, product-based stuff. Is, is that the only real application for it? No, not, not, not at all. In fact, I think that's where the – there's two things that go here. I think there's a misapplication uh, of some of the tools in the process because – it does have a heavy bias on uh, technology, if you would. Coding, yeah. internet, UI, UX, these kind of things that come up. But the principles of design sprint for problem solving, complex problem solving, when you're going to put seriously smart people in a room mm. that understand the problem, that are cross-functional in nature in the organization, you're going to lock them down for a week, um, it better be a pretty serious problem challenge right yeah so the notion is is that the facilitated process of getting through sizing and framing the problem mm-hmm. the challenge coming up with novel and new ideas innovating potential solutions in very short order as opposed to uh elongated root cause analysis six sigma you know kind of things which can really get you know they can take a long time because yeah. you're looking for discrete data and in some cases you know uh, with, with many problems, there is no baseline. Mm-hmm. There is no data. So you have to f- figure out, you know, like, where are we starting from? What is the issue in getting in there? So it can be used, in my opinion, to be applied effectively across any type of complex opportunity, mm-hmm. challenge, cross-functional, because the principles are the same. It is not just for technology. Do you think the, the technology focus has a lot to do with where it came from? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's direct. Look, I mean, Jake is at Google, and yeah. they're looking at technology innovations and so forth. And so his mindset on this was, how can we get through this faster, not with the elongated you know, process and so forth that is not checked. And in that 
that orientation, mm -hmm. right? He's using the application of it very specifically. Uh, so storyboards, for example, mm -hmm. uh, it has a huge, and if you're building a website, right? They say, what's your, you know, what's your site structure? What's your storyboard, et cetera? That's how you communicate very quickly mm -hmm. what you're intending to do, right? So, but that's a specific context for the application of a storyboard. But a storyboard can be done for anything. Mm -hmm. It can be done for any problem. It can be any solution. You can storyboard. You can literally draw your problem. For sure. I storyboard out all my content for a year for all my, yeah. for all my verticals. So exactly. It, it, it is very similar. And I, I, I like what you said, though, before this about you can use this type of thinking when you're getting the smartest guys in your organization, smartest guys and girls in your organization all in one room for five days to work on a problem. You can it can be anything. So uh, new business cases, it could be <coughs> mergers, acquisitions, whatever it is, you can apply it. Have you seen some actual applications where people are doing this in, in non tech applications across the board? Oh, sure. I mean, so the ones I've experienced are where teams would come together for strategy planning mm. and in less than a week have to really formulate, you know, three to four scenarios that the company is going to place their bets on. And high pressure, same kind of context. A lot more people, though, mm. not, not, but they're all broken up into teams, working yeah. teams of four to six, coming up and assigned to come up with four different scenarios and so forth. And the, the, the energy, the rigor, you know, the whole output is still the same. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, the test, interestingly, the test of the concept mm -hmm. was with the CEO at the end. Wow. And he did not even show up. He, he decided, I'm going to stay out. I want the team to be unbiased. I don't want to be checking the, uh, the, 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 the biasing the situation is in process. And then they came back and presented and he was the actual test. Now, obviously, wow. in this case, there's some much bigger issues when you're dealing with strategy. But yeah. in fact, you know, it, 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 it does work, and you can apply it very uniquely and very creatively in many, many different contexts. It's interesting that they, they use it for their strategy because that's very multifaceted. I would think that, in, in my experience with the sprint, it works in a very, a very restricted vertical. But when you talk about strategy, it's, it can be all over the place depending on the scope of the business, right? Oh, absolutely. So what was that challenge like doing the sprint for something that it's so versatile? So the challenge there is the prep work. You have to be able to, to, to structure the agenda so that each team mm. knows what their theme is or what their focus part is. That's, that's again, that's preparation work. Mm -hmm. But even in a group of 30 people, these are all top executives, line execs in, in the business, um, they were able because of focus of mm -hmm. what they were on, and because the organization truly did bring in experts in various fields of their, uh, their industry, they were able to get highly qualified um, opinions mm -hmm. and information into those teams in very short order. Mm -hmm. Phone action going on there, no problem. The, you know, the five-day space of it in, in the strategy side, that's going to be a huge value add coming out of it five days for the strategy something that would probably take in, in my previous businesses it's been you know months sometimes working on strategy so to come out of five days you know i'm sure like you said the, the prep work that goes into it is massive and that, that's no small task but to come out with a finalized version in five days and then i, I assume the ceo gave it a thumbs up oh well <laughs> in this particular situation the the challenge was so big in fact it was 
How do we disrupt ourselves? How do we destroy our core business model to survive? Wow. Yeah. So in this particular case, the scenarios that were developed out of it yeah. were specifically, if you would, non-conforming, yeah. outside of the current thinking bias as to what could occur that they should have to pay attention to. So it's a certain degree, it's kind of like risk planning in yeah. this particular case. And so the complexities were huge because the uncertainties about, you know, where where is the technology going? How fast would bandwidth exploit, you know, through fiber in, yeah. in, in, in the market? And how fast is 5G hitting? And will quantum computing, what will that speed do to artificial intelligence and machine learning? So there's a lot of really seriously unknown factors, yeah. but you can still begin to uh, paint scenarios and write down assumptions about those scenarios. Mm. Yeah, and they true. become kind of your, if you would, the plan at the end. But those things get tested then. This is where the beauty of the iteration of the sprint, yeah, the test, through. iterate. So it's not like it was over in one week is my point. Mm. So there was many weeks following this of additional retesting, mm. assumption validation, hypothesis testing yeah. of the strategy uh, before they ca actually came to a conclusion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was kind of like a concentrated big think uh, tank, if you would, yep. and then it provided the basis for really making sure that if they're going to do some significant changes to their business model to survive, they would have the best chance forward, uh, mo moving forward. Man, and, and just think about the, the topic that you gave going into it, how do we destroy our core business model to survive? That's pressure going into a five-day <laughs> sprint. How do we destroy everything we do today so that we survive tomorrow? That's a lot of pressure. Going yeah, and, and it's a great design. <laughs> it's a great design thinking challenge statement. I mean, it really yeah. says, okay, wow, we're, we're, we're not – no, no need to bring in all your biases here about what you think uh, the core business is about. It's just they don't let matter. it go. It yeah. doesn't matter, right? Yeah. You know, with that, when you, when you talk about a, a case that's non-tech, I can't think of, of anything – that's less tech than how do we just destroy our entire business model and revamp to go forward. So if it works there, I, I, I've got to imagine it works just about anywhere. I think that the real challenge is, and I saw this when after I did it, and a lot of the people, especially the entrepreneurs I've talked to in the region have told me that you know they see it as a, a tech-based tool. And you know what, what I'm seeing with this is it, it's – an everything tool if you adapt it properly. And one of the things is I haven't seen many resources out there for non-tech uses of, of the sprint. Do you have any that you recommend for for this particular type of, for a non-tech sprint or someone wants to look into it? How much money do you have? <laughs> I, got, I got like maybe 20 bot in my pocket at this time. Yeah. So, uh, this is what uh, this is kind of my journey right now mm. is developing contextual templates for very specific applications in corporations or large organizations <clears throat> and looking at problem areas that are already known yeah. systemically. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, when you scale a new business and you're a large company, how do you plan the recruitment of the talent? They're going to sit in new processes mm. and get all that done while the, the core businesses continue to go. So mm. capability building kind of things. Think about this. They're very they're systemic. Every mm. single organization has essentially, to a certain degree, the same problem. And now it's, it even becomes worse if it's relevant applications like AI. 
but different industries, different thing. So all the AI talent out there, how might you recruit talent mm. that doesn't even exist? You can't get them. Yeah. Then what do you do? It's like everyone who was trying to recruit blockchain engineers a year ago, right? They don't exist. So how, how are you getting them? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the point. So the the notion I have is that the uh, the exp- the contextual templates yeah. with significant organizational challenges that we see now and going into the future with all the changes happening is that design sprints are optimal because speed is everything. Mm. Speed could determine your survival or your growth. And if you really understand that notion, then you, you need the capabilities of sprints mm. to get through the myriad of issues and challenge you have as an organization, especially when you're under competitive threats and so forth. I, I, you know, we just heard yesterday, Sears is now officially bankrupt. You know, I mean, it's just, and it's a sad story, but, you know, here's a huge organization that just couldn't turn the corner. They dominated retail when, when I was younger. Sears was everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were an American institution, yeah. and they're gone, you know. Yeah. Well, they, they've been, I, I mean, I think we all saw the writing on the wall for brick and mortar, though, especially big retailers have been sliding down that, that slope for a little while. You know, and I, very few of them pivoted well. And I, I remember when I lived in Ohio, Sears had a a, re, a a discount outlet, and I went in it one day. And I remember seeing Sears as a kid when I go in Sears with my father as a kid and tool Craftsman tools and all that everywhere. It was a huge store. This was about the size of uh, maybe five or six Seven Elevens, and they just had display models and they would deliver everything. But you still had to go in and look at it. <coughs> It, like they were building showrooms for Amazon or something. A very, very different model. As you can imagine, a lot of this, you know, and I've, I think I've shared with this before on another podcast, that, you know, my belief is a fool with a tool is still a fool. Mm. And if you don't understand how to take a tool and apply it contextually, relevant for a company's culture, mm. a company's strategy, its capability level, uh, you providing just a template does absolutely zero. And this is where the prep work comes in. This is where the, the, the creative capacity of a team to really do sprints right is how the whole project gets contextualized mm-hmm. and, and brought in to the group to process. Because if you, you really do need, and, and, and the, the, the magic in sprint is you've got to identify people that actually understand a little bit about the problem. Uh, and have the quote-unquote expert in the room or, you know, a decider who actually really can make, you know, the t- for the team and helping the team make good decisions getting mm-hmm. through things. So every template, and this is just, this is why there's 41 different variations of design thinking, and mm-hmm. I think design sprints will be a 1,000 <laughs> because it is a great creative problem-solving technique using, at its core, design thinking. And so adapt, adopt. You know, mm-hmm. as I, I was teaching last week, you know, with a, major international company and I said look I'm going to share something with you is that I don't have the answer I have some tools and process that your job is the hard part because you have to learn to adapt and adopt what you think will work for you in the context that you're actually succeeding you have to get the answer yeah Yeah. and and so you know the the art of this is really in the the the, the power in producing the results is in the facilitation Mm -hmm. And it's in that prep work of what templates we'll use, how will you use them, what, what's going to be in the room visually, uh, uh, or do you need storyboards, or do you need some other tool to be able to do the visual um, display 
of the concepts that are coming about. Might, you might have a computer screen that's all got all the apps and it's just click, click, click. So mm -hmm. there's many things uh, to, to, to do within this. And actually, this is one reason I, I'm excited about it because the variation is huge, but the outcomes are very specific in terms of what you can do to save time and really lock down significant problems to get tangible concepts done. Quit mm. talking about it and do it, right? Just the, make the, it happen. Yeah, learning is through the action and, and literally, if you were doing a project or doing a problem and dressing it up and see what comes out at the end as opposed to sitting around in elongated meetings mm. week after week, we got this, we do this, we have to go do this, but no, I got my other part of my job and then the, your, your, your meeting schedule is, you know, diversified to the point you really don't even focus on the key things that the organization needs to, to deal with. Yeah. I, I think the biggest takeaway for me here is saying contextualize, do the prep work, and take action on it, right? Yeah. And those, those are the keys. Um, and I think anyone who wants to find out more about this type of design sprint, I'll put your information in the show notes along with the SEAC information. So if you've got a company out there that wants to solve a major non-tech issue, in five days, contact William. Yeah, give me a call, and then I can share with you what I do have and what I don't know and what I do know. And that's what he does here, so make it happen. All right, William, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Dana. Bye. You've been listening to the Self-Disruption Podcast, brought to you by SEAC. To find amazing resources on lifelong learning, leadership and innovation you can check them out at seasiacenter.com as well as their links in the show notes and for more great conversations like this one you can find our archive at selfdisruptionpodcast.com